We have slips, trips, and falls. We have auto crashes where we run into the back of other vehicles, you know, and we have dog bites. I mean, if you're truly, if we focused on those three things, um, we take losses down tremendously. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take it to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest, as well as Triangle Lawn, best team in the world, by the way. And with me, as always, is the infamous, notorious, devious Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say good afternoon? Introduce yourself because no one knows you, by the way our topic and also our special guest for today it's good afternoon it's eight minutes after 12 so it is good afternoon when we're recording this <laughs> and uh so before i introduce our guest let's talk about our sponsors so ah, uh, i forgot that is yes. see that yeah I've got to keep you honest you keep uh, me first honest. sponsor is cold march yes. by workwave if you are interested in digital marketing by all means, visit them, comarch.com. And our next uh, uh, sponsor is Peshure. If you're interested in insurance, uh, such as general liability, auto, workers, comp, visit them, peshure.com, uh, which kind of is a great lead into our uh, topic for today. And that is how to upgrade your safety protocols. And today, we are excited to welcome actually one of our sponsors. Yeah. Uh, Linda yeah. Nedget from Pesture. And she is the director of safety for the Pesture Association, the VP at, with Alliance Insurance uh, Services. Um, it's, everybody should know because we've talked about it quite a bit. Pesture provides captive insurance coverage to pest control member companies nationwide. Her duties are to identify, develop, and implement appropriate strategies to mitigate losses in auto liability, uh, workers' comp, and GL for the pest control industry. And uh, she also uh, develops training protocols and conducts management and employee safety and loss training for the 80-plus members who are part of the Peshur Association. Uh, Linda has a bachelor's degree in business. She's a certified mediator. She has 25 years of experience in employee industrial safety, and she resides in Sarasota with her husband, Mark. Uh, Sarasota is a beautiful place. And uh, with that, welcome, Linda. Thank you. My first ever podcast. Well, we're uh, glad that, well, I don't us. know, you, you may regret this. <laughs> I will say this totally unsolicited comment here but you know i i will say this i am absolutely a fan of pesher just a disclaimer for all of our listeners uh, triangle is a customer of pesher we have been for a long time we very much like their program they've been a great partner for us over the years um and again unsolicited no one asked me to do that but but i do have to say that we we are absolutely fans and uh the thing i like about pesher is that i know that they know what we do so i'm not so concerned about um you know exclusions, language, things that can really bite you if you actually do have a claim. So with that, Linda, why don't you get us started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into this role of, of really, well, first of all, 
can you just explain to me what it means to be a certified mediator? I saw that and I started laughing. I'm like, man, that maybe I need to ask. I mean, I'm a, I am a, a couple course in arguing. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, it is. So, so in contract, you know, you that you sign these days has a mediation clause in it, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, um, many attorneys serve as mediators when you get into a uh, disagreement over a contract. But if you think about um, an attorney, um, their whole thing is winning, winning a case, winning their point, winning, you know, mediation is not that at all. Mediation is working out a solution, right? There's there's not supposed to be a clear winner, clear user, loser. So, so a certified mediator is a non-attorney mediator. So that's, that's what it is. Mm. Sort of my second career and um and one maybe maybe it'll be my retirement career i don't know well i will say if you're a listener you can already tell that linda is super positive and doesn't say anything bad because i would absolutely say that attorneys are all about the money not about winning winning is a part but mainly it's about the money and i guess winning is a root to the money but Anyway, so having said all that, Dan, do you want to just start with our first question? Let's get into this because I want to, I mean, for our users, you know, our listeners, I want them to get the most out of this episode because I think this is something that is overlooked when it comes time to renew and highly critical when things go wrong. Not that they ever do. Yeah. But well, insurance is getting more and more expensive. uh, And a lot of it has to do with experience. And if you're not safe, then you don't have good experience. And you're going to pay a lot. But uh, Linda, tell us, you know, we talked about your background, but how did you get into this role? What uh, what led you here? How long have you been doing this? Uh, So there are, um, I know a ton of youngsters out there that strive to be a safety professional in the pest control industry, right? So Mm -hmm. that wasn't me. Um, I I sort of uh, stumbled into both safety and insurance uh, many moons ago, uh, I was involved in a in a car accident, and my my uh, my independent insurance agent in my small town um, became my hero because he solved all my issues for me. I had no idea what auto insurance did for you, right, as a young person. So um, that sort of made me take my business degree into the insurance world, and then. I thought, wait, it's not insurance I'm really interested in. It's preventing, you know, heartache and losses and injuries and that sort of thing um, that I'm more interested in. And so then I I started to go in the direction of safety. Spent 14 years in the um, dry grocery warehousing business as a safety person. And the company I worked for went bankrupt. Um, and I found myself looking for another safety position. And I hired on with Pesher 20 years ago in August. In August, it'll be 20 years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a ton of change, a ton of change in that 20 years about this business, as you guys know, and uh, and about safe in safety. So, yeah. Well, why don't we transition here? Let's start talking about our listeners. So let's, you know, obviously you've got a ton of experience in our industry. I'm pretty sure you probably have seen it all. Why don't you talk a little bit about what are some common exposures that you see um, companies either not realize that they have or don't quite insure enough 
Um, like if I'm sitting back and I own a company, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I got to renew my insurance. What are some areas I need to be looking at? And, you know, what do I need to be plugging, whether it be through our own internal safety initiatives or something like that? Can you talk a little bit about that? About about um, the primary things I'm seeing that could help yes. an operator right now absolutely. from a safety perspective. Yes, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's it's the fleet, of course. You know, the fleet is any operator's largest exposure. It's the scariest exposure. It... Um, and it's difficult. It, it, it's very difficult to get a handle on the fleet exposure. Um, you can feel like you're doing everything right, you know, keeping your vehicles in safe operating condition and um, doing the best you can with hiring folks and all of that. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're having rear end collisions out there. And, you know, what do we do about it? I had a... Uh, I had a uh, part of part of my uh, job with Pesture is to talk to prospective uh, clients for the program uh, before they become a client. So so I do a little um, little bit of an underwriting interview with them prior to us writing their coverage. And I was talking to a, a smaller operator a few years back, a smaller operator in Texas, and I said, "What are you doing to train your drivers?" And he said, "What do you mean?" And I said, well, you know, what what product are you using? What program are you using for driver training? And he said, well, I only hire licensed drivers. So he was very puzzled, <laughs> very puzzled as to why I'd be asking him about training his drivers. But we all know that our drivers do a ton of windshield time. And I'd like to think that um, we're trying to bring them up uh, a few levels to more of a professional driver. Um, but yeah, by far the fleet. Uh, the other two things, I mean, we slip, trip and fall while walking around a client location, right? That's our highest cause of work injury under auto auto crash. Um, and then believe it or not, the third highest cause are dog bites. Dogs actually bite. And our industry is plagued with dog bites. So. So one thing I did not hear is pesticide poisonings. So it's funny because we I'm, I'm kind of serving this up before we started recording. We talked about, well, what are the big things? And pesticide poisoning is not one of them. No, no, we never. I mean, I shouldn't say never, never say never. Right. But uh, so seldom, so seldom do we make mistakes there. I mean, that's that's what. That's what we do, right, in this business, and we do it well. Um, especially our clients, our, our 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 insured members truly do a great job at um, at their at their business. So mm -hmm. it's those auxiliary things keeping their people in one piece. You know, so, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was uh, several years ago. I was with our buddy Mark Ruff, who's an attorney in Florida, and. Uh, uh, he was doing a presentation on, you know, the uh, what do you what what keeps you up at night from a legal perspective, and um, he basically showed a slide that I will not forget. It was a crashed car and somebody all uh, mangled and whatnot, and he said that is the issue. It's not the pesticides. So uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, you would think 
people from outside the industry or just people who aren't um, you know aware think that the uh, pesticide uh, poisoning is it, but but it's really the vehicles. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to dig a little bit into something that you said earlier, and and that is people are not training their drivers or maybe not knowing what to use to train their drivers. Can you talk a little bit about what you have seen that is successful? That is there a specific program that people can be using? Is there, I mean, like, I'm just curious to hear, like, what are any recommendations on your part of like, Hey, this is a good way to train your drivers. And here's some things to think about. And here's some platforms that you can use. Maybe not. I don't know, but I'm just curious. Can you just kind of walk through that a little bit? Yes. So, so a few things there, um, especially as the labor market tightens up, we tend to, um, we tend to get a little less selective when it comes to um, someone's motor vehicle report or their driving history. So motor vehicle report tells us a lot of things about a driver. And I always, always urge our members to really <clears throat> use that screening tool uh, as a predictor. Um, I recently did a, a I'll, I'll call it the, a large loss study. So I, I did a, a real deep dive into um, the, the losses we've had on the auto liability side and where those came from, like what was going on when the crash occurred and what about the driver? You know, what, what kind of background, how many years experience driving, um, how long had they been employed and what did their MBR look like prior to this crash that turned into a large loss? And um, I'm not going to remember the statistic off the top of my head, but it was enough of a... Um, deal that I'm going to be doing a lot of educating of our members on um, really trying to hire a clean MVR or a very, very close to clean MVR. Many of us don't. We're okay with a speed or two or three, you know, they're just speeding tickets, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I've always said, yeah, it might be just speeding tickets one or two or three, but it's that frequency of just those minor speeds that have the my rules don't necessarily apply to me, uh, sort of driver attitude. And that's what you don't want in your service vehicle. I noticed lately that, you know, rates have been really going up uh, and, and people are more aware of that and uh, hiring the right drivers because that can uh, affect your rating or will affect your rating, right? Yeah. And this large loss study showed that there, there was often activity on that driver MVR um, those are the folks that are getting involved in our, in our crashes, that and novice drivers. So, so, okay. So that's, that's the screening side of things. What about training? Like, is there yes. a, a platform that you can use? Is it like, how do you know, how do you, or do you develop your own in-house training program? Like how do you train someone? This is safe driving. Yeah. This is what it looks like. So, so yes. Um, there are platforms and yes, you should develop your own in-house driving things that work with your culture. Um, I think the key, and this is going to sound really like I'm phoning it in, but the key is to talk about it all the time. Talk about safe driving all the time, develop, you know, whether it's, um, you know, some of our listeners don't have a lot of dough to throw around and go out and buy a, a big driver training program, but at least develop, you know, like the five safe driving principles at um, XYZ Pest Control Company, you know, 
and and use that and preach it and make sure everyone understands that this is how we drive at XYZ. You know, this this is acceptable driving. This is what it looks like. Model it. Um, you know, talk about it till you're blue in the face. I think we often, uh, I know we often um, like to train a driver maybe on hire when we hire, first hire them and then just sort of go, okay, we told you now get on with it. Right. But driving is such a habitual activity. It's so habitual that you have to just really, really stay on it to break those habits. You have a particular program that you know of or do, do insurance companies like yours provide them to their clients? Yeah, most most insurers provide some sort of safe driving platform. Ours happens to be a, a product called EOS, EOS, EOS Safe Driver. Um, we make that available to our clients, you know, free of charge. It's, it's just part of our services. Um, we support that program um, in our publications, meaning we try to, you know, um, have all of our uh, training tools, whether it be five minute safety talks or, or uh, PowerPoint slide presentations, we try to have them support the core EO safe driver program. So um, having a language to talk about driving events is very important. Um, if you coach and counsel drivers like you should, um, having a common language that everybody uses to talk about driving and driving events is real important. So having a program is, is a, is a good thing. And, so and for somebody who's a future client of yours or is not a client now, can they buy EOS or subscribe to it or? Yes. Yep. Okay. And yes. and I was going to just add to that too, just kind of, you guys are going to laugh when I tell you this, but maybe you won't, I don't know. There's, you know, in some cases a court will order Driver safety course. <laughs> you know that, Donnie. No, I didn't say I knew it. I just said I just. But having said that, there's companies out there like called like Drive Safe Online, and these things are cheap. They're like twenty five bucks, right? And you can do like one of those four hour courses or whatever. I have, by the way, and I'm being serious when I say that, and I've got to knock on some wood. I've never had to do that, but I do know that that there are cases where where the court says, hey, before you get back into a vehicle, you got to do this course and they're readily available online. And if you don't have an insurer that gives you that kind of support, that may be a, a, another option. So just want to throw that out there. But I, I, I'm i a fan of EOS, you know, the safe driver thing. I, I, we've used it. We continue to use it. And then I 100% agree with you in that it's not a one-time training. It should be an annual, at least an annual thing that you've got to go back through. So, all right. <clears throat> I have another topic I want to talk about when it comes to this. And this is this is a little controversial, so I want to I want to spend some time on it. What's your take on cameras? Cameras in a vehicle along with GPS. Let's uh, effective, not effective, great, not great. Like what are your thoughts on that? Does it actually change behavior if so? I mean, cuz I like we have spent so many times even internally here debating this and then, then I talked to other and some people are like oh my gosh it's fantastic I talked to other folks like didn't do anything at all what what is your take on let's start with cameras first yeah so you know cameras you can get forward facing cameras forward and rear facing cameras you know all of those things generally drivers get a little um um maybe insulted at first 
when you talk about cameras in the vehicles. Um, and I get that. Um, and what I'll say about cameras is that, A, I don't see a significant difference in losses between having cameras and not having cameras. Um, I don't even see a huge difference, significant difference in losses having GPS telematics and not having GPS telematics. But where I do see a significant difference in losses, and here's the key, is no system, whether it have camera or not, is a magic pill. So you have whatever technology you have in your vehicle, it can't remove the human element. So all the coaching and counseling still has to go on. You may have better indicators of which drivers need it now, you know, um, because you're getting alerts on those drivers or you're getting a poor driver score, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But what any telematics really helps you with is the folks you really have to focus on, right? The folks that really need help improving their skills. So that human element doesn't go away it actually becomes more important because now what? You have all these records of this person who needs a lot of help with their driving behaviors and maybe we haven't helped them, you know, or maybe we haven't taken any action and pulled them off the road and, you know, all of those things. And I don't have to go down that path with you. We all know what that means if they get in a wreck, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, cameras, no cameras. I, 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 I don't think that's a key. I think the key is how much you utilize that fabulous data that those systems give you. And that's such a great point because I, I was going to say the same thing. Like we, we use it internally. If there's something that's close, if there is an accident, I mean, some of these it's cringing to watch, right? I mean, we, we have cameras and, and by the way, I'll, I'll share, we use IntelliShift. It, there's, there's a cameras that we use. We've been very happy with that product. There's a lot more to that product than just cameras, but, but we'll have an accident and we'll watch it. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, like you see it happening and we, we will stop and, you know, whether it be through a training meeting or whatever and say, okay, everyone look at this. Do you think this person was paying attention, right? I mean, it's, so it's, it's, it's almost like it's a training tool. That's real, right? Yeah. It's a way to build awareness. Like this absolutely can happen to you. You know what I mean? Like don't think for a moment and we've, I'm not going to go through the accidents, but we've had a few that I've just, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did, like, I felt so grateful that it didn't go worse because it absolutely could have. So I, I was curious to hear, cause I don't, you know, obviously you go on these websites and they say, oh yeah, you know, your, your rear end collisions are going to go down by 90% and all these things. are going. And I don't know to believe that or not, but it's great to hear kind of, I mean, cause you guys, you don't have a horse in the race, right? I mean, ultimately you're looking at like what's really going on, obviously for losses, but I'm, I've heard several things that, and, and I think you're probably right. It's not the technology, it's the awareness and training that goes along with it. But Dan, any systems that you've seen that you would want to recommend or you think it hurt other folks? I mean, we, we like I've seen some of the advertisements or propaganda that some of these companies and you see that, you know, the guy uh, smoking the cigarette on his cell phone, uh, 
you know, trying to drive a truck and slams into the car in front of them and you get it on camera and that's the kind of thing that they're trying to stop. But it's interesting to hear you say that you don't think that it um, really affects the outcome. It certainly allows you to watch the train wreck happening real time, but um, you're not saying that uh, it, it, it moves the needle at all. Yeah, say say you um, had a system that doesn't have cameras, but it has driver behaviors like hard and harsh braking and uh, acceleration alerts and hard cornering alerts. All of that data is going to give you a lot of information about driving habits that you want to sort of hmm. you know work work on with those folks. So, you know, with over forty percent of our crashes in pest control being um in in my in my fleet being um the rear end collision where we run into the back of another vehicle i think that if we focus on hard and harsh braking uh alerts before the crash happened we could have some effect you know yeah. and and often that has to uh come with actual ride alongs with those individuals because i always tell folks you know, these drivers aren't necessarily doing this on purpose. It's how they've learned to drive. You know, mm-hmm. someone who's a tailgater isn't isn't realizing how much making space in traffic will relax them on their drive and will keep them that much right, safer. Right. You know, they, yeah. they don't get it. And often a ride along is about the only way to get that message across. Well, I can say this because I know for a fact that my father-in-law does not listen to this podcast, but I absolutely will not drive with him because he scares the living crap out of me. He's one of these drivers, like he will be all throttled to the very last minute and he hard breaks. And every time I'm like, you know, I mean, obviously you can't see, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're going to cream this car. And he pulls it off and he's never had an accident. That's the craziest thing. Never. I don't know how he pulls it off, but you know, he is and he's doing it right. Maybe, maybe he is maybe. doing it right. Maybe I'm the one that's getting it wrong here, but it yeah. freaks me yeah. out every time. So I won't ride with him anymore. Like, and are you using your brake on, on your side of the uh, the car when you're I'm passed? using everything I could possibly think of. <laughs> <laughs> and I even tell him, like, Dwayne, you know, just just for my own, per- just just please, just let's just back it up a little bit. Yeah. And he will. Forget. So I think that, 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 totally that that's a good segue into the next question. <laughs> oh, horror yeah. stories. Let's hear the horror stories in there. Cautionary tales and uh let's hear I've some got, good uh I've got things. I've got one related to exactly this topic. Um, but first I just want to make one last point about GPS, telematics, cameras, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is and and I, you know, I've got a lot of, of our members who call me and say, you know, what are people using? What do they love? What works best? What doesn't work at all? And I say, you know, and I give them the line about anything you can get on a driver uh, to give you information on who you should be working with is good stuff. But what I always tell them is it's icing on the cake, um, that they need a good driver training program in place, that they need their policies in place, that they need to do all of that, what I'll call basic fleet safety stuff. And right. any any technology is is icing. It's icing because it it has to just support all of that basic structure. So I wanted to make that point. And I, I think also adding just focus, right? I, I'm not going to say who this was because I think they actually listened to the podcast and Dan is going to know exactly who I'm talking about when I say this, but I remember going to someone's office and this is a very large company 
And on the wall, it was X number of days without an accident. And there was a reward tied, I think, to making it to like 60 days, right? <laughs> and so my point is, is that there's also that aspect of it as well, right? Just making the focus, you know, like you said, talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think putting some sort of little carrot or you know, maybe even like a celebration at the end if you can go so many days. In this case, this this particular friend, mutual friend that we had, had a massive fleet, right? So 60 days was a really big deal. I mean, it's not like, you know, they're running, you know, six, seven trucks. I mean, this was hundreds of trucks. So with that, let's transition to the fun stuff. We always, you know, I I say it's always good to learn from your own experience, better to learn from the experience of others. So let's hear some others experience that we can all learn from. I think that would be great. So let's stay with this uh, information you get from these fabulous, uh, these fabulous um, products, these telematics and GPS and cameras and all of that. Um, we had a client several, several years back now who um, had cameras, uh, had a great product, had a great program, really uh, going multiple branch client. Um, <clears throat> they had um I think a service supervisor reviewing uh, camera clips uh, each day for any driver who they received an alert had, you know, an event. That's and good. so, yeah, so they had these folks at these branches reviewing these clips and they had done some training with the with the um, technology provider so that they knew what they were looking for. And um, they were doing a pretty good job coaching. Um we got a we got a, a notice of an auto claim where uh, one of their drivers uh, hit a vehicle sitting at a stop sign at a I think it was a red light actually um, hit them doing fifty mile an hour. Oh. <clears throat> they were sitting still. Um, we had a spill as a result because uh, they wouldn't. There was a fatality, so they wouldn't let the driver to the truck to slip anything under the tank that was leaking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Bad news, bad claim. <clears throat> Big claim. What made it worse is what had happened is our driver had fallen asleep behind the wheel. Um, you know, very tired, very fatigued. They fell asleep behind the wheel. Um, when they looked back at their data, somehow this particular driver had slipped through the cracks and the three days prior to this crash, they had footage, which hadn't been reviewed with anyone of him nodding off and having a, um, swerving event. The three days prior, they had at least one of these swerving events leading up to this day where he was sound asleep and hit this vehicle at 50 mile an hour. So there again, I just, I just have to say, you know, these things give us great info. You've got to use the info. Yeah. 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 And there's really no way that they could have known, right. Cause it wasn't an event that got, that would trigger where to go and review because i will tell you no they 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 did they just weren't doing it done they weren't they missed him they missed him yeah wow after the crash they went back and found the footage and found the events that they just had one chronic thing so if somebody's falling asleep but i'm sure that there are people who stay up too late and get up too early and that happens every day but 
you know, everybody's been tired. I mean, is that an indicator? Like if, if, if you're changing lanes dangerously, that's just a habit, right? Yes. Like falling asleep. Yeah. These were, these were clear nodding, you know, nodding yeah. off sort of swerving yeah. events. So, yeah. 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 So I have heard that a lot of companies are, you know, are suggesting that you don't do in cab cameras. What is your take on that? I mean, and again, full disclosure at Triangle, we don't do those. We have forward-facing cameras. We don't yeah. have rear-facing cameras. It's forward-facing only, and we don't have in-cab in in-cab cameras. What is your take on that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you from a um, from a claims perspective because I, I tend to agree with you on the safety aspect. I don't know that you necessarily need a, a camera on the driver to know you know, what's going on (laughs) Uh, from a safety perspective. But from a claims perspective, what I will say is sometimes um, it can put to rest a lot of accusations about what our driver might have been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can also tell us immediately if we need to get that claim handled and done and moving on, you know, yes. Yeah, like very immediately, it can tell us um, that we don't necessarily want to pursue this at all. Don't want to fight. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, we and to your point, I mean, and and I'll tell a a story that that I've heard of. We'll just say I've heard of. Um, I saw a driver one time. There was someone in a crosswalk with a bike and blew right through the crosswalk hit the biker. Um, so they had to be on the phone. It's the only thing I can figure out. Um, and, and when it was all over and said, luckily the, the biker was not hurt or I should say they were not, but their bike was trashed and the biker ended up, you know, damaging the truck. So I don't think a claim came in after that because now the driver of the, the bike driver, right. It, he had this big meltdown. And so, so point is, is that, I think cameras are good and I think they help you, but at the same time, like, you know, in cab camera, I'm kind of on the, I, we don't have them for a reason. Right. Because I, I agree with you. Right. I mean, putting it on the, on the driver, it's like, mm, you know, do we really want that? And so we, we've never done that. So, um, <clears throat> okay. Let's transition a little bit more like, okay. So we, we've talked a lot about driving and obviously that's the big hit in our industry. Right. Are there any other areas that you feel like we should probably cover, at least talk a little bit about, um, if I, again, if I'm sitting back and I'm looking at my company, I'm looking for, you know, how do I plug the holes here? There's obviously the driving, which we all know is a big thing. And I think you mentioned after that was dog bites and slips and falls. What are some things that we can do there? All right. So let's, let's talk about slips, trips, and falls for a minute. So, um, <clears throat> This, this one kind of frustrates me. You know, we don't have um, unique sort of losses in the pest control com- business. We we um, we have slips, trips, and falls. We have auto crashes where we run into the back of other vehicles, you know, and we have dog bites. I mean, if you, truly, if we focused on those three things, um, we'd take losses down tremendously. Um, slips, trips, and falls, uh, for me... <clears throat> Um, is something that I think could be really attacked by two things. Uh, One is, I think that when we hire new people for this job, 
um, we should be telling them exactly what the risks are of the position. We do, you know, we do a lot of technical training with, with, with service professionals. We have to, right? They have to know their work. They have to know what they're doing. But I think we miss the boat on telling them, listen, this is a safe occupation. But I'll tell you that if you're injured, this is likely where it's going to come from. And I think that would maybe more motivate someone to take the time to do a pre-service assessment. Um, you know, what's on what's around this home or, or this business that's going to be in my way when I start doing my application, my work? What's going to get me? Where's the gotchas? Where's the overheads? Where's the air conditioner sticking out? Where's the hose laying? You know, all of those things. That pre-work assessment is something I think we talk a lot about, but I think it's got to, I think it's got to be enforced better. I think it really should happen um, for so many reasons. Same thing would help them with dog bites. Um, you know, uh, if you're doing a pre, hang on, pre- hang on, just just so you know, we have to hire people, right? Just yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get chased by dogs, and you, no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, it is true. I, I I'm sitting here laughing because yeah. I yeah. am I am guilty of this. So keep going, keep yeah. going. So yeah, so I think that 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 pre work assessment. I know it's a it's sometimes. Um, um, I don't want to say, you know, just rush, 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 but um, it's important to give that guidance to new hires and remind, you know, your uh, veteran employees um, that it never hurts to take a look around. And when you have a slip, trip and fall, say, eh, probably could have seen that in a, in a pre-site, you know, assessment. Yeah. Um, backpacks have added uh, some severity to a slip, trip, and fall claim. If you think about the weight um, on a person's back and then they hit, you know, hit the surface, hit the ground, um, it really increases the level of injuries that we're seeing, knees, hips, shoulders, um, with that add, extra added weight and that effect on um, your center of gravity, right? right. So, um so those have really lent lend themselves to uh, severity, increase in severity for slips, trips, and falls. So I've got one more thing I want to talk about, and we got to we got to finish out here. But this is this one I think is important. Let's talk about dog bites here real quick because look, when when we first started Triangle, I remember I was out running around, and this was absolutely something I dealt with every day. And I had a little procedure. I'd bang on the gate if there's a gate. You know, usually we'd have a note on the account that there's a dog or whatever. But there were sometimes you know, confirm the appointment gate, everything's good. I go on the back and there's a dog door and then guess who comes out. Right. (laughs) It's like, and so can you walk us through like maybe some policies or some ideas on like, how do because after that experience, like, you know, at triangle, like you got a gate and you got a dog door and you're not confirmed. We reschedule, right. You just, just, just leave that account alone because the risk is too high. Yes. Um, but, but we have had people bitten by dogs. Um, it has happened. We have a lawn side as well as a, as a pest side. But you know, anything that you've seen that has really worked or very, very helpful for some of our listeners of how to deal with this? Because it's something that we all deal with. 
Right. It is something we all deal with. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll say to some of my operators that I know better and can be sarcastic with is, you know, in safety, we say your first step is to remove the person from the hazard. Right. So, so if, if a dog can't bite our technician, if our technician isn't within reach of the dog. Right. So that's the, the first thing you want to do. And they'll say, Oh, but the customers, you know, and the technicians, they love the dogs and they blah, blah, blah. And they, been there before and I say no you got to make a policy that says if rover is not contained we will not service the account that's the only way to do it and you have to do it a when the account is sold b when there's a call ahead done c when you arrive on site you have to do it at each of those times and so often we'll get a tech will drive into the yard, get out of the vehicle, hear a dog on the other side of the front door, right? Just wanting to tear through the door. And so what do they do? They go up and they knock on the door and the person answers the door and the dog jets out from behind them and grabs a chunk out of the technician. Right. So, you know, I, I go as far as saying, <laughs> if you pull into a yard and you hear a dog, um, call that person from the safety of your service vehicle, you know, yeah. call them from there. Don't walk up to the door and say, Hey, I'm here. Does, is your dog hungry? You know, I know a guy, you know, that's a from the pink Panther. Opinion. Yeah. I was going to, I just hey. took a bunch of notes on that. That That is fantastic. I mean, again, to just recap for our listeners, you know, number one is have a policy that the dog must be contained. And then I'm just recapping what I heard. The second one is, is have some sort of communication policy with the customer that they understand that that's, that's kind of what needs to go down. And I will tell you, we're good on our front where we could absolutely be better in terms of communicating that to the customer for safety for our technicians, because you're right. You know, just because Rover's friends this month doesn't necessarily three months from now, four no. months from now, he's going to still be a friend. So Dan, so, I, so I think before we close out, finish, before we yeah. close out though, what, uh, are we any worse than other home service industries? Is there, you know, uh, Donnie joked before, geez, we still have to uh, hire people, but, you know, are plumbers or HVAC people or, you know, other industries better, worse, uh, the same? Are you, Dan, are you speaking strictly in the dog bike category or overall? No, I know, I know all, uh, you know, I, well, one of the things that I noticed is uh, when I got into business, every pest control truck had a ladder on it. Yeah. Now you drive and there's hardly any pest yeah. control trucks that have ladders on them. Yeah. So, so just a few things about that. Um, I will say uh, fleet wise, we do a better job than a lot of service industries do uh, from a frequency of crash perspective. Where we have to get better is no expectation that our people multitask while driving. So make that service vehicle a cell free uh, work zone. Um mm-hmm. Don't let your record show that it's an expectation that they be on the phone while driving. Don't let any of that go on. So that cell-free zone is important um, so that we can protect the industry there. Um, I think that uh, we, we uh, I think we do a good job with controlling work injuries, um, but I think we could do a better job with our um, on the job training, our field training um, and our field checks. 
um, with technicians to remind them of some of the things that we'd really like to see them doing for their safety. Um, one thing I want, I wanted to make one point on the, on the dog bite issue, and it's going to escape me now to um, what that was. Oh, well. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we'll I will say this, Linda, this, I feel like we just scratched the surface. I took a lot of notes. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time on, on driving and rightfully so, but if someone has a question, if they're interested in learning more about your program, if they want to, you know, if they've got, if they're already a customer and obviously I'm sure they already know how to uh, reach out to you, but can, do you mind if we just put your contact info on the show notes page and that way they can just reach out to you? Would that be okay? That's very okay. Yes, that's Perfect. fine. Perfect. Dan, any, any part, I would ask you for words of wisdom, but I don't, I don't know about that. Any parting thoughts? Maybe that's better. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you think of insurance as a necessary evil until you, until so you, you need, need it. it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Hey, I, I remembered what it was on the dog bites Let's just hear. very quickly. Yes. Be sure to tell your service professionals that it's okay for them to tell their customer, hey, I love dogs, but this is company policy. I could really be in deep trouble if anyone found out that your dog was loose while I was on site. Yeah. Give them that. Let right. them, you know, use that so that they don't have to have their, um, you know. Uh, Respect my authority. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got it. I Give them something. So that's a, that's a fantastic point. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Linda, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great. I am, um, you know, again, just for all of our listeners, just a reminder, all the resources and topics that we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. Just take a look under show notes. We'll link up some of these things that we talked about as well, especially that court ordered uh, driving course. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, we'll make sure that's all up there. And with that, again, if you appreciate the podcast, we very much enjoy any kind of rating review that you can give us. If there's things about it that you don't like or just general complaints, Dan always loves to fill those. That's for his department. And with that, that's we're going to sign off. We'll see you all next time. Take care now. Take care. Bye now.